0: Welcome to the
1: Limitless Leadership Podcast <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome or welcome back To the Limitless Leadership Podcast Live edition <laughs> <Woo-woo-woo>. <laughs> That's it Because we are here at Limitless Leaders 2022 A gathering of youth and children's ministry leaders every January. And we have just a few moments ago uh, heard a fantastic keynote from Laura Hancock entitled Everything That You Need To Know About Youth Culture Right Now. And I am joined on this uh, Limitless Leadership Podcast live, not only by an incredible band of youth workers from all over the UK. Here they are but also by some of my friends on the Limitless Leadership team. Uh, So, guys, why don't you, uh, esteemed panel, why don't you introduce yourselves for the benefit of those in the room and listening on the podcast. JR, we'll start with you and move along.
2: (laughs) I'm Jonathan Rowland, and I'm uh, part of Tramway Christian Fellowship Church in Edmonton.
3: Hi, my name is Rhian, and I'm the Youth and Young Adults Pastor in a church called Elim Life Church, North Birmingham.
4: Hello. Yes, I'm working. Uh, so my name's Jamie and I am based in Birmingham and I work for Limitless on our Pioneers project. Come on.
5: My name's Andy and I work for Life Central Church in Halesowen. owen
6: my name's Laura. I'm also at Life Central Church in Hells Owen. I work for National Youth for Christ. And I'm on the Limitless team. Da, 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 da. That's my theme music. I like to, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry that we forgot yeah, your, no, your you, intro you music. no, you forgot my... Na, 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 na. Sometimes you've got to do your own.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you? Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, what I would love to do is put some questions to you about youth culture right now, reflecting on some of the things that, in the keynote a few moments ago, Laura just put to us, and then we're going to open uh, up some questions uh, to the room to put some questions to you guys on the panel. Okay, so let's let's start with what Laura said to us about mental health. Um, uh, Laura kind of expertly guided us through the last couple of years and explained how all of the shifts in culture and the pressure points in culture have impacted uh, on young people's mental health. You referenced Laura a Young Minds survey uh, which said that 67% of young people believe that the pandemic has had a long-term effect on their mental health and you showed us that loneliness and isolation was the main cause of this long-term impact. So Question to you guys to get us going. Uh, what, are, what are some of your reflections on the the, the pandemic and, and the impact on the mental health of, of young people? Um, how have you seen this play out in your youth ministries and in the young people that you work with uh, and lead? And crucially, I'd love to hear about some of the, the helpful uh, kind of mechanisms that you've employed um, to journey with young people in their mental health. So who wants to kick us off with that? Go on, Jamie. I would like to do. That. Please.
4: <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I think one of the things I've seen this pl- out play is one of the concepts I work in is in um, in schools. So I, I work in local schools, um, do like mentoring stuff with young people. Essentially, um, one school particularly I'm working in uh, currently, pretty much at least kind of ninety percent of the referrals I'm working with are some kind of well-being, mental health issue. That's kind of why they've been uh, been referred to me. Um, and it's, you know, as, as Laura shared earlier, it's no secret that, um, the lockdowns were tough on young people. Yeah. Um, the lockdowns were tough, particularly on their schooling. Um, I think a lot of them feel like they're playing just this massive catch-up game. Um, and I think Laura, um, shared earlier as well, that they just feel like, uh, they've, they've been left behind a little bit, that they, um... I've been given, given an unfair deal, really, in this yeah. whole thing. And, and I, when they look into their future, when they look into what they want to do in the future, that has an impact on them. So I think the biggest way I'm seeing it outplaying is in um, in the the young people in the schools a feeling that they have been uh, they're left behind, feel like they've been let down a little bit by the schooling system. That homeschooling was awful. Most of their experience, they really struggled with homeschooling. Um, and I think really the support for me has I've tried to offer. Is just to get them um, refocus on some of the, just the the fundamentals of kind of like of well being of um, of looking after themselves of exercise of diet of all that of sleep of all yeah. the things we talk yeah. about. Yeah. And, uh, they, it's not rocket science these kind of things, but getting them to because routine was often out, wasn't it during lockdowns? Yeah. To so getting them back to that kind of thing and just, just had to help them in their kind of day to day lives. That's what I've been trying to do yeah. with the uh, young know, people I've been working with in schools. Uh, I think you're so right, Jamie, and we do sometimes
1: like underestimate the power just of our life's disciplines, our physical disciplines and our physical health in our mental health, don't we? Uh, You know, and and I can't tell you how often I've, you know, had, like, conversations with young people um, uh, and they've spoken to me about their mental health and you find out that they're drinking monster at 9 o'clock at night and, you know, well, maybe if you don't do that, you might sleep better and if you sleep... Do do you know what I mean? And so, like we know that there are like deep spiritual things that are going on but also there's just some really practical things small changes that we can help young people to make to their sleep to their patterns of exercise to being outside to 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 diet to their screen time all of those things which really have a significant impact on mental health so i think yeah really insightful jamie thank you
5: can i, I you can i just add, add a, a note of caution i think that's really important unless yeah please unless you are a trained mental health professional you're not a trained mental health professional yes. and that's like really simple but like we have to understand that we're we're youth leaders and we're youth pastors and we're not mental health professionals And so there are loads of different resources, different places that you can sign post-young people towards. Um, In thinking about this, I was thinking about the good Samaritan who wraps up the guy's um, wounds and gives them bandages, treats them in a moment and then takes them to the innkeeper and says, take care of them. And it's like he carries him and gets him to the place where he knows he'll get proper help. And I think that's a responsibility for us of we've we've got to look after our own mental health as well. Yeah. And your mental health as a youth pastor is really, really important. And so having healthy boundaries. There's a girl in my small group who really struggles with her mental health. And I've told her, if you message me after nine PM, I'm not gonna reply. But Samaritans is open. There's a twenty four hour helpline that you can call, talk to them, I'll talk to you in the morning. Like and and that's not me being unpastoral and uncaring, that's me having healthy boundaries and understanding yeah that there are hours in the day that I'm available. But me as a youth pastor, me as a, a member of the church and a staff member, I'm not a 24-hour service and I'm not a 24-hour helpline. And it's really important that we understand that and we are okay with that because we've got to look after ourselves as well. And us offering amateur advice to young people is not going to help them in the long run. We've got to get them in front of health professionals. That's really good, idea. Can I just say
3: yeah. something to that? Um, I found that f- I've been in a quite you know, precious position where a lot of my young people haven't suffered with mental health. But then I found that during lockdown, like I'm thinking of one girl in particular, she just developed this high level of anxiety. She was really anxious, really nervous. And I remember just being like, I don't know how to navigate this because i haven't had to experience this i haven't had to like coach or, or talk someone through this before um and I'm, I'm gonna like bait somebody out um hi abs i actually felt found abs um was like abs can you help me up because abs is a trained cbt therapist and i was like actually I don't know what I'm doing here, but can you give me some advice on what I can do Very to good. try and support uh, my young person here? And I think it just reminds me of that passage in the Bible where it speaks about the body of Christ. You know, there are many pans, many different parts serving for something. And I feel like in that moment, I am not strong in this area, but God's already equipped somebody else who is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Right. J- I just want to just pause for a moment on what
1: Andy said. I think maybe some of us need, like, permission to create some of those boundaries. Yeah. In our lives, Jesus did that. Jesus withdrew to solitary places where he prayed. He wasn't available. Um, though he invited his disciples into his life, it still wasn't a twenty four seven situation. He did withdraw to solitary places. He did um, create those those gaps, that margin like we talked about yesterday. And so maybe there are just some in the room, maybe there's some listening who just need that permission to say, okay, there's a there's a there's a cut off here. There's a moment where I need to create a boundary. And I think that's really, really helpful because we we cannot give what we don't possess. Yeah. and if and if we're kind of in the pits, uh, you know with our own mental health because our boundaries have been blown out of the water and we're constantly switched on It's so much more difficult then for us to help a young person isn't it who's struggling with their own mental health So I think really helpful. Thank you everybody. All right, let's move on to digital relationships. Laura Would, would you just give us a, a like a for, as a reminder for those in the room and, and for the benefit of those listening for the first time on the podcast a, a brief synopsis of what you said about the tension between digital intimacy and the longing for face-to-face relationships.
6: Yeah, so um, I think uh, one of the things you talked about is before the pandemic, something huge on everyone's radar was how much young people are engaging in social and digital media, the effects of that on mental health, comparison, isolation, um, <laughs> group mentality in terms of ganging up on people, bullying online, all of these things. Um, and then the, the pandemic comes along and really digital connection is all that many of us had for a long time, whether you're a young person or whether you're an adult and all of a sudden it's not just a generation that are spending a lot of their time on social media but it's like the western world are spending a lot of their time digitally communicating with each other um and that's our kind of primary way of connecting in some ways I know certainly for us we actually spent more time with your family my husband Andy, my husband just anyway um blah 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 uh oh, and we spent more time with them uh in lockdown digitally than we probably have in 12 years of marriage. Um, And and this all of a sudden is our world. Uh, And yet coming out of the pandemic, young people have this appreciation, need, desperation to spend face-to-face time with people, appreciating people more. Uh, again, the thing they struggled with most is, is not seeing their friends. And so how do we hold this tension between relational intimacy with young people, helping young people to really healthily have vulnerable, intimate conversation, deal with conflict face-to-face when a lot of intimacy now is based on a digital platform in whatever way. It, um, I'm I can't remember, someone in here just now, between in the gap between, in the break, said um, that they'd read a book. Are you in yeah, called. I'd like you more if you were more like me. And actually, the, the, <laughs> the I think correct. Shout at me if this is wrong. But the premise in that book is that intimacy is built around shared, shared experience. Thank you so much. Um, and so, what does it look like to create intimacy in a physical and digital
1: realm? So, uh, Rihanna I'll come to you if it's all right. Like in the context of, of your local church and your youth ministry, how have you experienced that tension? Uh, like, how how do you think? navigating that tension impacts how we do youth ministry, how we do discipleship, how we do evangelism. What's your experience of that?
3: Yeah. Um, I think I found that I've I've come to this place where I think I followed a lot of what other people were doing, but I found that actually God was like, you need to do what your young people need. And I found that for the needs of my young people started off with them needing something online. So we had the WhatsApp group, we had, um, you know, the Zooms and other things. And I've, I've, I've tried to practice that, that essentially so it's weird but now they don't like zoom they don't like whatsapp but they they don't want to do anything online and for me as a youth lead it's meant that i've had to adapt to that i've had to say okay how can i then support you what do you guys need we want something in, in person we want to hang out a bit more we want to do more games and stuff and whatever else okay cool let's create that kind of space to do that um but i f- i feel that digital intimacy, I totally agree with what Laura's saying, but I don't think it's something that we should be afraid of. Um, I don't think it's something that we should feel like this can't happen. And I say this because our churches, obviously all churches, most churches went online, Um, but we had a mother and daughter who joined the life of our church for three months. We were blissfully unaware because they were just watching on YouTube. But they were—they classed themselves as part of our church for three months to the point where when they actually came to the church building, this young daughter came up to me and was like, yeah, I want to be baptised. And I was just wow. like what <laughs> like firstly hi what's your name yeah. um, but it was like wow you you you've had this whole thing with god you've been like watching online you've encountered god you've uh, you've had this whole like teaching yourself kind of thing and then you've come to us the church to then facilitate that and just like baptize me um <laughs> not in the kind of crazy way but yeah um so i feel like you know we shouldn't be afraid to think that God can't move through online platforms because he really can. We can't limit God to what we can't understand because he's more than capable. Um, But I definitely believe that it's just trying to work out what do young people need? Um, And I think there was some... I I think you said it or some... I can't remember. Somebody said it about actually... It was you, Laura. You said about we need to imitate it. We need to imitate certain things and how we are digitally, uh, like, for example, you are speaking about being on your phone, if not more than your young people would be. I find that for my young people, when I'm in places where I need to then teach them, what does it mean to be with other people, present with other people? I need to find myself, not in places when I'm feeling uncomfortable, going straight to my phone, which I do quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. I need to then make sure that... You're modelling something. Yeah, modelling it. And I find that, like, when the youth come in, I, my youth are very interesting because they actually don't go onto their phones. I find that the only times that they actually do go on their phones is when they're uncomfortable. Um, I say this because those who've been at the youth group for the longest, they will come in, and sit down, chat, hang out with everybody, go get the football, whatever else it's called. Cool. But those who are new, they will come in and they will sit on their phone or they'll kind of... If they're waiting for a friend, they'll just kind of be pulling out their phone as a safety mechanism. Yeah, like a and, retreat, a safe Yeah, place, a yeah. place where it's like, okay, I don't feel comfortable right now. What do, What does that mean for me? That means that I need to, as the youth leader, create a space that makes them feel comfortable, that makes them feel safe, Person- makes them not feel, like, unaware. And I think that's how... I can model it by helping them to feel aware yeah. of, of their surroundings. Hey, y- there are a bunch of young people in this room you may not know, but let me do something about that. Let me, sh- let me introduce you to someone. Let me kind of make you feel aware yeah. of people and you don't feel afraid. Um because let's be real, there are a lot of young people who are happily best time, uh, FaceTime their best friend and, you know, have that deep relationship online. It's just how you navigate it.
1: Yeah, uh, and, like, I think that coaching thing is really interesting because I even said to a few people coming at Limitless Leaders, like, it's been so long since we've done something like this. I don't know, do I, do I give you a hug? <laughs> like... Do I, like, shake your hand? Hands, is a bit weird now, isn't it? Like, do I do, like, an elbow, one of those weird, like, elbow bump things? I don't even know, because all my social cues have been thrown off. And for a young person, like, who, t- like, do you remember when you were at school, like, a school year felt like a lifetime, didn't it? Well, this has been two years. So, of course, it's weird coming back in the room. Of course, they're kind of, you know, retreat, you know, escaping to the safety of their phone. And, and I do think you're right, rian some of that, like, coaching of how to almost how to interact again and how to engage with one another again is, is, is something we have to think about, isn't it? Andy, you want to add something to that?
5: Yeah, I, I would say, like, none of us want to go back to doing all of our youth work on Zoom ever do you know what i mean there some an
1: amens in the room um, there just and, little. <laughs> and
5: i think and i think like because in in the pandemic it felt like all that we could do was was digital but i think like we we were designed to be in relationship in person face to face but digital is a good supplement but it's not yep. a replacement it's a supplement
2: yeah
5: and so cool. and so for for us one of the things that we've set up that we set up during the pandemic that we've kept going and we've had to work really hard safeguarding wise to make this safe um is group chats for our small groups and so my group chat with my group of year 13 which is my small group um like is sometimes dead and then other times young people are putting prayer requests in i'm putting prayer requests in we're sharing tiktoks with each other we're like having banter with each other i sent a picture of the because the girls who were on the video in Laura's keynote are in my group. And so I sent a picture going, look who's on the big screen at Limitless. (laughs) And it's like, for me, it's like the difference between snorkelling and deep diving. Snorkelling, you're in the water, but you can't go that deep. For me, that's digital, and that's a digital connection. Whereas occasionally, you do need to strap a tank on and go down to to the depths, and that can only be done in person. But I think young people are more willing to say stuff over text than they will in person. So I met with a young person last week, told them I was really proud of them and the way that they've responded in the last three months to some really tough stuff. I really gushed over them and, like, spoke great things over them. They just went, thanks. And I was like, okay, see you later. (laughs) But later that night, they texted me and said, thank you so much for what you said today. It really meant loads. Thanks for standing with me. And they said way more on text than they could articulate in person. Because you can edit and you can think about it. And I think we've got to give young people that space and find their ways to supplement our ministry using digital but not replace it.
1: Yeah, very good. Really helpful. One more, and then we're going to open up to um, uh, Q&A from the room. JR, I'll come to you on this one, if it's all right. You're not only uh, a youth pastor, but, of course, a father of teenagers as well. Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) which is why you're so tired. Um, (laughs) uh, Broken. (laughs) (laughs) For those who have kids, you know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's close in prayer. Um, So, uh, one of the things Laura spoke to us about, which I felt so much resonance with, and I've seen this, and I no doubt you've seen this as well, is this kind of generational divide or generational mistrust. Um, A cynicism about institutions, uh, government, some of the things we've seen even recently in royalty and in government, the lockdown uh, parties has only served to kind of exacerbate this kind of mistrust or this cynicism. Laura, I thought you spoke really well about... um, uh, When you spoke about Brexit, not a political conversation in terms of how you voted, but just the sense that young people's futures were being decided for them and they didn't get to have that say. Mm. I thought that was really insightful. They didn't get to contribute to what their future would look like. Uh, and, And so you said the danger then is that this is a generation who's willing to stand alone to separate themselves from other generations. And yet this is not the picture of the church, is it, JR? Which is, like it shouldn't be. It, it's multi-generational. It's intergenerational. Yeah. It's, it's a church family. And so my question to you then would be, in, in the light of, you know, this understanding about, about this generational divide and, and all of that kind of stuff. And actually, Laura, you shared some very scary stats about, where young people, the the, the kinds of people that young people trust. So let me read those out. So reliable sources of trust for young people. The top was doctors and healthcare workers, 61%. Then scientists, 51%. Then friends and family, that's interesting. Lower than doctors and and scientists, 45%. Then national news and media, 37%. uh, National government, 33%. And below government, religious organisations, 32%. The only thing below us uh, was social media with 17%. I think and there's so something
2: below that as well, to be fair. Um, I don't know if it's in the stats, but um, police.
1: Uh, well, yeah. you,
2: you're... So I'm, you're... I'm an ex-police officer, um, yeah. ex, so don't... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was in the uh, Metropolitan Police for 15-plus uh, years. So when it comes down to trust... Um, Me being in the police, I wasn't trusted, because I was a police officer. Within the actual institution, I wasn't trusted by some of my colleagues, because I was a black officer. Um, And then uh, when I actually put off my blue uniform and went home, again, I had to deal with family and friends who, again, didn't trust me because of uh, the role I was in. So trust is something that was um, extremely important. Um, Saying that, uh, The only way uh, you can actually uh, deal with that trust issue is actually by relationship. Um, You know, actually being able to speak about your journey, uh, being able to be real to people, being real, um, to being able to to say, look, you know what, Uh, see my journey, see my life, see what I'm about, see, uh, you know, the mistakes I've made. That's what I loved yesterday and in the sermon which took place last night. I loved that because it was just, it was literally just showing who you are being being real being even being vulnerable and i think once you're like that then uh, you develop that trust from from uh, your youth um i had to give up the police so that i can be um a dad really because i spent a lot of time just dealing with uh, the outside and not dealing with my my family home so my kids were being uh, taught by the teachers by my wife um, and by other family members, but I wasn't the dad. So I needed to to, to actually leave the police to be able to, to, to be in a place where I'm taking my kids to school every morning, um, where I'm picking them up from school, where I'm having that, um, that uh, I'm actually educating them. So when it came yeah. down to lockdown, um, it wasn't so much of a problem because I wasn't in the police at the time. So I was able to actually get my iPads out and my MacBook Pro and everything else and sit it down and actually do the teaching. Um, And that developed relationship, that developed trust. So my kids can now talk to me about other things.
1: So, I mean, and the application for youth ministry, from what I've heard you say there, is... It's presence and relationship that helps to build trust. Presence and relationship. And Laura, you, you spoke to that actually, didn't you? Uh, do, can do you wanna just add a little something to that in terms of how we build trust where there, where there is this generational yeah, divide, how you know, we build intergenerational trust?
6: I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sat here and my mind's going back to Dominic Cummings. Now, I, I, I'm not making political, like, no political statements anything like that, but I remember watching the interview. And I remember watching politicians address how he did or didn't break lockdown. And I remember sitting there staring at my TV going, just say sorry. Like, it's all you need to do. Just own it and apologise. And I think about countries who have been much more divided than ours and how they dealt with those divisions and the beautiful way in which reconciliation took place. And it started with someone standing up, owning it and saying, I'm sorry. I am sorry for how you've been let down. I don't like it. It wasn't even necessarily my actions intentionally or unintentionally, but I'm sorry. And I see your hurt and I see your pain and it's justified. Let me stand with you. And if the church isn't the person to stand and say, we failed you we failed you in how we've got the planet into this state. It wasn't all me. I've only been on it for 36 years. <laughs> but I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for how people have made decisions that were taken out of your hands. And I'm sorry for how you felt cast aside during those two years. I'm sorry that you hurt so much. Let me stand with you. This doesn't have to be you on your own. We need... We're, we're the ones... I, was talking, I think I was talking with you about this earlier. We're, like, we're, we're the ones in the position of privilege. And so it's on us... To reach out our hands and go, I'm sorry, let me stand with you. And do we as the church, as adults, you know, we've all been through something in this last two years, big time. I'm not pretending that we haven't. But we're the ones that are going to need to stand and and make the first move. And as the church, I think that's an even greater responsibility. Mm -hmm. As one of the least trusted What would it look like for us, the the untrusted, multi-generational, please Jesus, culturally diverse institution that is the church? Just Mm. get on our knees and say, I'm sorry, Mm. let me stand with you. And what does that look like relationally? What does that look like? Because you're right, it is a relational healing. But what does that look like in the bigger picture as well?
1: Superb, right. Uh, Uh, enough from me then let's open this up to uh, some q a from the floor so fire up a hand in the air we've got a a, a mic either side and i think yeah we've got a couple at the back over here so why don't we go over there first of all and we'll 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 take a a couple of questions there and then we'll come over to this side oh hi my name's matt i'm so pleased to be here thank (laughs) you so much for your um, what you shared Laura it was awesome and so inspirational tell me just one thing that you've seen churches uh, around England and Wales and the other places <laughs> doing really well <laughs> in these last year or two and one thing that church you wish churches would stop doing that's a great thanks. question <laughs> and I think yeah, it was addressed at you Laura
6: Yeah, so. that's a shame I'd quite like that I love yeah, this specifically and the at Laura it's great, great. Yeah. thanks Matt love you so
1: yeah great um, question so what have
6: we done well
1: and one thing we should stop doing yeah Very I good. think
6: I do think I do think that we have fought for young people like yeah. I think I think that there I have and actually I think my answer is kind of the same actually but like different but the same anyway um, like I think what we've done is we have we have gone above and beyond to, to get to the young people where they're at on occasion like I've seen you for, I've been, Barry is he in here Yay. Like, you guys, like, made up packs for for young people, delivered them around houses. Um, In uh, Archer, we did, like, appointments where you you could basically rent out the kids' team to go and entertain your kids outside in the garden. And, like, you could do fort building or children or the story reading time. Like, we've had to get creative in how we love our families and young people. And I think we've begun to realise how important family engagement is, finally, which is really good. Love that things we've done badly not all of us and it's totally understandable but I think we've forgotten the young people that don't know Jesus like I think there is so much we've been trying to deal with and so many of the young people in our churches are so broken we've taken our eyes off of the young people that don't have any hope yeah and so I think my heart for this next season is we go okay need to get back on this now we need to really reach those young people who don't know jesus
1: very good i might just chip in on this one if that's okay because just want to say something to the people who are in this room today and the youth leaders listening that are still listening to this because i think one thing that you have done well is that you have persevered you are still here you're on the other side of this two years later and you are still here you are still in the room. Uh, and and I just, the, the smile of God is over your life. The applause of heaven is over your life. You kept going when it would have been much easier to give up. And I've seen so much tenacity and so much perseverance in difficult times. So I think that's one thing we've really done well. If there's one thing that I'd wish we'd stop doing, Matt, it's this. I wish that we would stop giving more attention to the trappings of youth ministry than to the presence of God. And Andy, you spoke to us about this so well yesterday in one of the electives, but... It's 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 the presence of God. It's the encounter with the Holy Spirit that changes things. And I've become more and more kind of disillusioned with the power of a you know PlayStation and a table tennis table to change people's lives. Not that we shouldn't have table tennis tables. That's not what I'm saying. But 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 more and more convinced that young people have a spiritual appetite, and that we 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 sometimes shy away from the spirituality of christianity because we fear that it will scare young people off but i think we underestimate what young people are up for and so that's the one thing i wish we would stop doing great question matt thank you so much next one yeah
0: hello um
6: we heard a statistic from youth for christ about a percentage of young people who are willing to kind of stand alone on certain issues and tackle them themselves And I feel like it would be amazing if we could do more family within church. And I feel like some of the issues that they face could be really gently melted a little bit away by being embraced into church life just a little bit more as a family. How can we do that better as churches?
1: That's a big question. Who wants to go for that?
2: I'm just going to just quickly just go on that one. see for me family is the key to all things um obviously relationship but family because when a family is connected when they are um when it's working the power of that family is massive Um, so for me uh once we engage um once we engage Like uh, as a youth leader, once we engage the family, so for instance, we're just not just thinking and just focused on the youth. We're actually communicating with uh, the parents, communicating with their guardians, communicating um, like what uh, was said with their with their school, with their teachers, and so forth. Actually, finding out what is ticking for them, what is going for them, what is not going for them. Then, when we are speaking to the to the youth. We, are, we actually have the resources, we have the understanding, we have that, that kind of connection with them already so that we're starting from a different plane rather than starting right from the beginning and just waiting for them to have that uh, experience, which was just like no or yes. We're actually getting more from them. Um, but then that just takes us to, to have time to be able to do that so we are never just youth leaders we also have to be in their family in um, with their parents with with whoever they, they are interacting with and then not just that also with their friends because their friends are, are they spend a lot of time with them so we have to also say well let them come in if they come into here then we can chat to them and then we can actually understand who they are as well
1: um, yeah I know, I, like I, I don't know you guys but sometimes i feel like i've arrogantly overestimated the impact I can have on a young person's life in four hours a week when their parents are with them for however many other hours a week are left and actually how we invest in that. Um, I wonder if I could, did you want to chip in, Uh, Jamie, you wanted to chip in on that? Um, That's okay. Yeah,
4: please. And then I'm going to, yeah, go. Yeah, I think I'm exploring this as both somebody kind of in youth ministry, but also a dad as well, myself. Like, I think if you're either a church leader in this room, or listening, I'd really like to challenge church leaders about how do we do our Sunday gatherings or what other day we gather as a church and are they truly multi-generational? Because I think the more and more I see it, they're geared for adults, the children and young people are sat in the service and then they go off to their things, which are fantastic, but they're just not at a level where they're geared for children and young people. Like, Or, or it, it's not a an equal playing kind of field in terms of it's mostly for adults and the children, and young people kind of have to sit there until they go out. I think, and, and putting that emphasis back on how can we do discipleship well in our families? Like for me, I'm really challenged about, I've got two young, two young boys as they're growing up now, particularly my, I've got four-year-old, just like <laughs> proximity that we're talking about, making sure that I'm there in the moments, making sure that we talk about stuff in, on I'm walks to school with him, just like they, we do life and I'm, I, I, again, we don't just kind of, um, give uh, the, the responsibility of our children's discipleship, our young people's discipleship to the youth leader and children's leader that we equip our parents really, really, really well. Obviously, it's a, different, it's a different scenario if those young people are from non Christian homes, and that's where we become those spiritual parents, but let's equip our parents and the churches better than we're doing. Can I, can I jump in? Because Tim said it was okay to argue.
5: <laughs> um, so, so, Jane, are you saying we should have more spaces? where it's every age group in the room together?
4: I'm saying that when they are in the room together, I think we need to think more about the ages that are in there and not just gear it to one. That's what I'm saying, because I think my, my, what I see generally across the church is that the young people and children just completely tap out in those spaces. Mm. Yeah. But then I, I tap
5: out when it's aimed at the kids, because I don't, I don't, I don't want to be singing My Lighthouse and doing flipping...
1: <laughs> Stupid actions for kids that I haven't got. But isn't that how family works?
4: Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Because, because yes. my,
1: my Saturdays yeah. are full of activities that I don't want to do because in a family, a healthy family, the older generations will subvert their personal preferences for the sake of younger generations.
5: But but as a as someone who's not a parent, I'm not sat at home watching CBeebies. No, so so why would, I, why would I come to church on a morning where you're going to make me do stupid actions? No, I'm pr- and being I'm and being yeah, more yeah, uh, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Antagonistic yeah. than I would actually yeah. I think, th- I th- just in case anyone's writing a letter, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just before the Bible, please come and yeah, arrest me. We're getting him. started
1: now, we can start the recording now. We're revving up.
3: I think, I think the word is is awareness. I think it's it's having an awareness of other people. It's it's uh, the Bible says, generation after generation will commend your works. It's having that awareness as the church to be aware of other people. Yes, you're right. I'm with you. I'm not watching CBeebies. But it's
4: great, man. But Louie, <laughs> come on. Alright,
3: Louie. We appreciate Sean the sheep. Anyway, I do really. <laughs> it is. Good. I think. Sorry, we're getting lost talking about kids shows now. <laughs> yes, the, the point is, I think there's an awareness of us to be aware of the other people because in the same way we expect to receive God and encounter God, is the same way we want the different generations to encounter God, the same way we want the uh, we uh, church, we say over 55s, so over 55s to uh, encounter God. We, we want that awareness of everybody, the church encountering I
5: don't know why I did that sorry yeah yeah. I I think it's the church's responsibility to partner with parents for the faith and the future of their kids and and for me looking at parents and working with parents parents are the primary person who is responsible for the discipleship of their child And, and, and I think it's really grand for me to say this not as a parent but I think parents need to stop outsourcing the discipleship of their child to the church however the church needs to stop being so arrogant that they can disciple a child in the very short time on a Sunday or midweek that we have with them and so I think we as youth workers need to resource parents to better disciple their kids in the home and and I think We then, as youth workers, take responsibility to be spiritual parents to the young people who are first-generation Christians who parents aren't.
1: Very good. And yeah, to questions. that point, um, I, Ben, Ryan, uh, my friend at the back here, I wonder, Ben, if you would be so kind as just to share with us that practical little resource that you've put together because Ben has been asking this very question, the question that you asked, like how how do we help the parents, like you just said, Andy, to, to how, how can we as youth workers support parents to disciple their own kids? Ben's just put together something that's really simple, but also I just want to encourage you to steal plagiarise from him, um, because I just think it's a very simple, low-maintenance, but an excellent idea. So, Ben, share what you've been doing, and I I think it's really helpful.
7: Yeah, yeah, I think, I I so agree, Andy. Like, the parents, we've got so many parents that kind of approach me, and they just don't know how to disciple the young person at home. Like, they're just like, what do I do, Ben? Like, And I'm like, well, you know what, I see your young person maybe an hour, maybe two hours a week, like, they are with you 24-7, you know, over the school, they're at your house, you are perfectly equipped to disciple them, but... Uh, what I've been working on is a, is a resource that I can put in a parent's hand literally a PDF that literally gives them uh, the, it'll tell them what we've been doing on a Sunday so it tells them exactly what we've been teaching on a Sunday uh, and then it just has some prayer points it has some Bible verses and it has some actions so the actions might be like take your kid out for a coffee and talk to them about what's happened on a Sunday the prayer points are literally seven days of prayers for that week uh, and just, just so they can pray over the kids they may not feel like they have the confidence to have that conversation yet but actually, just to be able to pray for their young person uh, and just trying to uh, just to give the the parent some confidence because what i 'm finding is that parents do not have confidence to disciple their young people they don 't really fully understand what the young person's involved with what 's going on what 's going on social media what 's going on with their friends uh, and it 's trying to just uh, equip the parent to uh, to be able to actually just you know talk to the young person and' I think there 's been a the art of parenting has, has been lost a little bit. I've got, I've got three young kids, they're five, two, and one, and I'm looking ahead to see what they're like as teenagers and thinking, how am I going to be a parent to these teenagers? How can I uh, equip the teens now uh, and the parents of teens now to really just um, to, to be able to just share their faith in a way that, that, uh, that they feel empowered to do so? It's
1: so good Ben and like the the thing that you've put together because you've got some like graphic design skills so it looks great but like it's just that you could do this really simply it's here's what we've been talking about on Sunday or whenever you gather here's the Bible passages that you could read together around the dinner table this week here are some discussion points that you could um, bring up as you're eating your meal together and here are some things to be praying about it's really low maintenance it doesn't take a huge amount of work if you're not going to do a really nice design (laughs) kind of like you're done but you can simply put that into the hand of a parent and just to help them to continue the conversation that they've been having with you in the youth ministry context throughout the week at home it's a brilliant idea Ben and I'll encourage you to steal it from him okay let's go let's move on to another question uh, we'll go this side of the room this time because we haven't taken any uh, from this side of the room go, go on how do we help teenagers disciple their parents oh hello
2: all yeah. oh, right I, I was gonna say that as well to be fair um me too me too yeah yeah (laughs) and i say that because i have a a 16 year old um i have a 13 year old and I have a nine year old so it's spread across um and i had a crying child last night upstairs um, in the room so i just got brought back to when i was younger and i had a, a crying child and a baby so how 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 are we going to be able to to, to actually speak to a teenager, um, get them to pray when they are not interested in prayer? Is that a responsibility of the parent, or a responsibility of the youth leader, or a responsibility of a pastor, or the responsible? What, what where where does that sit? Does that sit in
1: but isn't, isn't what you're saying, uh, Ryan? The question at the front isn't isn't that like what, what happens when the when the the teenager has a greater f- maturity or spiritual appetite or ze- or zeal for God than their parent does? How do we help them to, you know, or what if what what if we've got a young person who's come to come to faith through our youth ministry and that and their parents aren't Christians? How do we help them to share faith? Yeah, that's kind of where you're going, right, Ryan? You go on, Laura. I see yeah. So it.
6: well, to be honest with you, Ben, what I think you're doing is brilliant and. We're at, like a youth for Christ. This is something we're trying to process. Like when a young person becomes a Christian for the first time and then goes back into. I mean, because we can ha- we know the positive effects of a really supportive family, but we also know the young people who have been trying to speak truths over them for years, and then they go home and hear the opposite. Yeah. How uh, <laughs> uh, that works out. But um, so one of the things, that, like, how how do we put that resource in a young person's hand? So how? So what? I think one of the things we're trying to work out and process, and we. And at the start of our journey on this as Youth for Christ is that we've made the Family's Bible... Um where families can sit down and process faith together and all the pages are printed in different directions so you can actually get around that and our heart behind that is that within that we provide activity I'm not trying to do a plug but so it's something that in your context provides an opportunity for a young person to be asking questions and doing activities with their parents and so it's almost this but for young people so the young person asking a question of their parents and I said what what do you guys think about praying? Like, Have you ever prayed in it? But giving the, the, the young persons the confidence and maturity and helping them deal with the response of, of their parents when they aren't Christians or when they don't believe in it so that it's not kind of like exhausted out of them. But how are we equipping our young people to be asking these questions in their home environment in a similar way that we would expect parents to, to ask the young people?
3: Can I just interject? Because I, I think we spoke a little bit and went, when we listened to the keynote about... Uh, are we kind of equipping young people to be able to tell their friends because there is, you know, a higher stat of people who are interested in spirituality. But I don't think we should limit it just to are they telling their friends, are they telling people, um, because by us just limited, limiting it to friends, it just means, oh, only people of your generation need to know about the mm. gospel. When actually, no, it, there's the whole world out there who needs to know about the gospel. There's a whole world of people who need to know about the good news. And in, in that sense, I, I guess that reverse question, uh, yes, we, we want to tell you about Jesus. But then who else can you tell? Not which one of your friends can you tell? Uh, how can you tell your parent at home? And maybe that's a practical way to kind of give him a challenge, a, a less scary front. Um, if you can tell your parent about Jesus, then doesn't that seem a lot easier than going to tell somebody else who you maybe are unsure of? Your parent will give you this unconditional love regardless. And it's almost like a... And I'm making an assumption for yeah. people who have a safe home or a family, good family yeah. uh, relationship, but a better ground to work with. And, and I feel like, yeah, that just should be something that we can help equip young people to be able to tell people, and not just
1: yeah so go on Laura So you wanted to push back on that no it's, it's,
6: yeah. it, it just triggered a thought in me and I, I annoyingly I, this is what we often come Andy and I often come back to saying but um, this is a whole church responsibility like this is not just a responsibility of the youth pastor so for us when we've seen young people come to know Jesus in our church and gone back into really broken environments we're encouraging them yeah you know be having conversations be talk invite your parents to this thing mm. that the whole church has put on but often when it's broken and messy situations the youth pastor can't be getting involved with the fact that their mum and dad's marriages falling apart but what an opportunity and what an open door for some senior pastors in your church or some volunteers to be getting around a whole family who don't know Jesus to do a marriage course get them in like how how are we as a how, how united are we as a staff team on a church to go, we are a wraparound mm. system for the whole family. Yeah. We will equip you, but but you don't have to be dealing with the fact that your mum and dad are falling out all the time. This is a whole church thing. We love yeah. all of you. Yeah. And how do we get alongside them? So
1: all? we don't we, we don't want silos of children's ministries and youth ministries. We want to be a, yeah, a whole church, right, you're
3: raising people to follow Jesus. Okay, Oh, I really oh. forgot to say something. Go and on. And I remembered, I remembered on, it was. Go on, go on. I was going to say, for those who I uh, uh, so, uh, just a, an encouragement, uh, at Christmas we did a, a dance, um, our girls did a dance, um, and one of the girls who were, let's say, on the fence with Faith, she was a bit like, okay, I kind of believe but kind of don't. Um, she was involved in the dance at Christmas and invited her family to come along to watch, Brilliant. and that is one of those moments there. Like, her family don't believe, her family are, you know, they're just have fun at youth. Um, But that was getting them into the church and they didn't just sit for their daughter's uh, dance. They were in the whole church service. Mm. And in that moment, they would have heard that gospel message. They would have seen the church and not the stereotypes that they would have heard and that kind of stuff. Um, So getting your young people serving, another way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great, so teach young people to dance is the answer to it. Yeah,
3: basically,
1: (laughs) basically. Let's Let's take another question from this side. We've probably got time for maybe one or two more, depending on how long we go for it. Okay, so we'll go abs and then we'll go uh, over here after that.
0: Um, Yeah, so mine is a question, um, but it came out of the conversation about, like, whole all-age spaces, basically. And we kind of spoke mainly about services, but... Like what Rhianne just said about dance, what came to my mind was an amazing opportunity I had to just speak to our whole family because of a church barbecue. Like, we yeah. were at a church barbecue and I'm talking to a young person because I'm drawn to speaking to young people. And then I'm talking to a younger sister and I'm talking to her dad. Yeah. And it's a whole conversation and, and it was really, I learnt a lot more about that young person by seeing how they interacted with their family. But also then, her mum was able to come and speak to me about other things that she wouldn't have brought up if she hadn't had that interaction with me. So I was wondering, what other types of spaces what other I mean you mentioned obviously performances and we've we've had that but how how do we form relationships like with the whole family as opposed to just have them all together if that makes sense yeah like going deeper are there things that you've done do we need to have a certain like objective in mind sometimes when we're looking at our church calendar that kind of thing and how
1: do you do that as a team? So so what so what are the mechanisms by which we form relationship with the whole family and not just the young person is the
5: yeah, who wants to chip in on that? I think it's really important for youth and kids workers to be connecting with parents, particularly unchurched families and, and because when you when you send out an email saying, We're going to Limitless Festival, it's a great opportunity for your child to grow in their faith. What does that mean to an unchurched parent? And so having those conversations um, for me is um, just a really practical thing. I would often go and position myself at the end of youth on the door as parents are going and and, um, I'm waiting there for their, for their child to come out go and position myself on the car park and just have those little bits of conversations and just say, Hey, how are you doing? Oh yeah. No, they've had a great time tonight. And connecting in with those, with those kind of things. I think having those conversations and getting on the phone to parents as much as you can and creating those little, little connections with people as well um, are really important. I think like, a, a really good way to do it with young people who've got additional needs is going and, and sitting in the family home and saying hey what's the wraparound care plan how can we be a part of this, for me that was really helpful understanding what's being done at the at the home and what would success look like for this child that then meant we as a youth ministry were blessing what was going on at home rather than doing something completely different um, and to so finding those spaces to have conversations and I think intentionally finding ways as an entire church that you can have events that hey this is a whole family all age event moment um, so through the summer um, I got in contact with a local ice cream van um, who came and pitched up outside of our church every week through the summer holidays and I just said mate we're not asking for any of your profits just be here at half eleven when the service finishes and I'm telling you they will be luck lo- you'll make a mint um, and, and, and <laughs> The first three weeks, families loved it. After that, parents hated us because we were costing them a fortune (laughs) in ice cream. But it was a great kind of multi-generational connection moment in the sunshine, on the car park. People are having ice cream, lots of different generations. Just a great connection point there um, for families. You've got teenagers playing with the little
1: kids, all sorts of stuff like that. Just look for those little, little moments. Very good. Thank you. Let's take another question. I think we had one uh, uh, just over here. That hand's been up for a little while, and this will have to be the last one. So,
8: Um, This is going to feel quite off-tangent, but hopefully relevant. Um, I'm just thinking back to when I first became a youth leader in charge of the whole department kind of thing. And one of the things God spoke to me was about team being a priority. Um, And then with the pandemic, actually, what I found is my team has diminished by about a third which when we've got a large widespread geographically youth group is actually a real challenge um and i think laura you said earlier people are weird at the moment um really weird so actually i'm listening and talk, and thinking about all these different things that we could be doing actually thinking volunteers are so crucial to that um, but how i mean have you found this a challenge with volunteers and and maintaining teams and building team back up again how do you have you got any tips hints for doing that but also i mean i'm an introvert as well it's like limited resource how much do you sew into every single area like this without it feeling overwhelming
1: great question Um, great question just by way of a show of hands and i'll try to reflect this for our podcast listeners uh hands up (laughs) if you love tim alford (laughs) (laughs) thanks buddy appreciate that Uh, um hands up if you have as has just been articulated struggled with um volunteer team kind of since the whole lockdown throw a hand up in the room that's a solid 80 percent of the room isn't it and so i i knew kind of that would be the case and so just to say no you're not alone (laughs) and and we're all experiencing that and now these wise people will tell you how to solve your problem (laughs)
3: No, I'm gonna go. Uh, <laughs> not wise. Um, but I would say I can 100% relate, and I also wanted to to be the voice for the people who are new to this, um, who are like, okay, I've just started this. There is so much information going on, and you're almost like, okay, I've got like a million and one things in my head that I need to do. I need to change this, 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 this. Let me firstly say, don't do that, because that's what I did, and found myself just going down a path of burnout um, because. I'm rushing around trying to do what everyone else is trying to organize for their youth ministries. We're not considering what Holy Spirit is saying for my ministry. Mm, And that is so important. So I I would say, firstly, after hearing all these things, my first piece of advice would take time to be with God and be like, okay, God, what are you saying for me and my ministry? Firstly, it's your ministry. But what are you wanting me to do right now? Um... And then secondly, volunteers, oh my gosh, I have lost quite a few people. Um, um, not, not through COVID or anything like that, just, just, just <laughs> <laughs> clarify that. They just uh, felt the time wasn't right to be on the youth team. Um, and that's hard. It really is hard because you've got all these dreams and visions of things that you want to do. You're like, actually, let's get the ice cream van. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do all this stuff. But wait, it's just me or, you know, whatever else. And that's hard. But you know what? Firstly, give yourself a bit of grace. Yeah. Because... You are doing something, and that is huge. It's great. You are providing for for uh, uh, young people. You're providing for families. You're doing stuff right now that no one else is doing. So first, you give yourself grace and know that God says he's proud. But secondly, know that just take it one step at a time. Yeah. I think we spoke about patience before, and I, I think that's it, just being patient in that process. Mm. Looking for some practical tips
1: now, practical tips on if, how to ra- raise and... Give them a cause that they're willing to give their life to. Yeah. like. People don't
5: want to give up their Friday nights to come and stand on a tuck shop. Mm. They may well do that, but tell them that's how you're going to change young people's lives. Last night, listening to Rob Parsons and hearing him talk about Arthur and Margaret, I was like, I want to do that. Like, send me a young person and they can live in my house. Like, if he'd have done that response, I'd have signed on the dotted line and worried about it later <laughs> and apologised to Laura this morning. <laughs> but you see, see, the th- the thing is, is, is. People like everybody reassessed their diary when it came to COVID. I was delighted to have some time back. Do you know what I mean? I don't wanna I don't wanna go back out on a Sunday night for a stupid youth team meeting so we do it on Zoom and so it's easier for people to access. But you know, people people don't wanna give up their free time for something that feels trivial.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
5: And so like give them a cause to sell their life to. Yeah. And so sell your ministry to them. Tell them what your vision is for your youth ministry and where you want to see the young people, not just of your church, but of your town. Where do you want to see them in 10 years' time? How do you want to see their lives transformed? And then tell them, this is how you make a difference. You make a difference by showing up every week, by showing that you care and you love them and you listen to them. Show up, be a part of their life. Hey, let me tell you about this other volunteer who did that for that young person and they got to baptise them. Let me just show you that video let me show you these photos that's what five years of investment into a young person looks like you get to stand with them on the day that they get baptised the day that they publicly declare that they're going to follow Jesus for the rest of their life and you get to dunk them what a privilege you could have that and all it costs you is two hours a week on a Wednesday night come on like let's sell the vision don't just don't stand up in front of your church and say we need to get the youth ministry back up and running and i need 10 people every wednesday because we need to have the tuck shop and we need the toilets cleaned like you are not going to get the people that you need to fill your youth ministry and so I would say, like, get get one-to-one with some people, get it over Zoom, get it in coffee, take people out, ask more people that you know that you need statistically. Um, two-thirds of people that you ask will say no, that's fine. Ask three times as many people as you need and you'll get the people you need. Um, and and prioritise it. If you need volunteers, make it a time. Every single person in the room will say that they haven't got enough volunteers. But if we surveyed how much time we've put in in the last week to recruit, and volunteers it would probably equate to less than six hours so we all moan about it but we never do anything about it and so I would say prioritize get some time in your diary to get one-to-one with some people that you think could change people's lives which is only Jesus but through the Christ in them they could change a young person's life life I was just correcting my theology there to, to, to wrap up
1: okay so this is how we're going to finish. And, guys, you have one sentence. Please do not expand. Please be concise because we need, now need to finish. And I want to ask all of you this one question. It's a one-sentence situation. Why, why are you pointing? I'm
6: saying start at that end.
1: Because you haven't thought of your... I
6: can't remember the question. Okay,
1: well, I'm going to ask the question. <laughs>
6: Excellent. Go not... on, JR. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so, here it is. Here's the question. This will finish. One sentence. If there was one thing that you think... Uh, in the light of all we've heard Laura uh, talk about in the keynote and all we've discussed, there was one thing that you think we as youth workers should give the foremost of our attention to in youth ministry in 2022. What would that one thing be? JR, we're going along the line.
2: I'm just going to go with building relationship, being present, building relationship. Perfect.
3: Waiting... oh, are you going? No, no, we're going this
2: way. I'm,
6: I'm just thinking.
3: Oh. <laughs> um, uh, waiting on Holy Spirit's guidance.
4: Um, how can we support other institutions, uh, schools, and how can we collaborate well and better with other churches in our our towns, cities, communities? Right. Yeah. I would say,
5: don't forget the unchurched. Let's not just go back to our little holy huddles and be grateful that we can be back in person. And like, let's, let's keep fighting the bias to reach the unchurched for, for Jesus.
0: And
6: point B to that uh, would be um, gaining confidence in what it looks like to help someone who doesn't know Jesus experience him firsthand through the ministry of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, and I think mine would be, let's prioritize the presence of God. Let's seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to us as well. And let me finish by saying uh, to all of you and to everybody listening, thank you all uh, so much for what you do to serve young people where you are it has it has been as we've said countless times a difficult couple of years but you have persevered and you are here and you're on you're on the other side and you know whenever I feel like giving up I think to myself what am I going to give my life to that's more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation and so thank you for what you're doing to serve young people where you are I just believe the smile of God is over your life thank you for watching listening uh, to the Limitless Leadership podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, what a time uh, to do it and pick up an episode every month. And we will see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.
4: <laughs> Woo!